Redbox Media Programming is brought to you by... We've got good news. The world is open again, and people like you, people of faith, are traveling to Catholic sites around the world. Want to travel with exceptional Catholic leaders this fall, next year, or in the future? Are you looking to see specific sites, celebrate traditional Latin Mass, or travel to destinations without vaccine requirements? We are here to help you deepen your faith on pilgrimage. Give us a call at 1-800-842-4842 or visit us online at selectinternationaltours.com. Select International Tours is your pilgrimage company, and we have the perfect Catholic trip for you. Are you looking to serve God and society? Consider putting your gifts to work as a lawyer. Ave Maria School of Law has been educating faith-filled lawyers for over 20 years. Ave Maria School of Law is committed to training lawyers to use law appropriately around the moral issues of our time. Visit AveMariaLaw.edu to learn more about integrating your faith with a law degree. O Lord my God, Thou searchest me. My heart and mind are known to Thee. Nothing is hidden from thy eyes. When I sit down and when I rise, and from afar thou art discerning my thoughts and hopes, my secret yearning. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among them. Blessed the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for our sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle within us the fire of the divine love. Send forth your spirit and they shall be created. Let us pray. O God, who did instruct the hearts of your faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit, grant it by the same Spirit may be truly wise, and ever rejoice in his consolation through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. O Lady Fatima, St. Joseph, the Father Bon Lanteri, St. Natius, St. Rita, all God's angels and saints. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. So, following up on the talk on the Acts of the Apostles, what I would like to do um, is I, I like to keep talking about the topic of the, of the Holy Spirit. So last week I gave you a catechesis on the Holy Spirit. And if you, uh, you got my handout, you had an extensive 25-point catechesis on the Holy Spirit. So uh, the catechesis, it's short, but it's pretty, pretty well written. I don't want to toot my horn, but if you read through that, you've got a pretty good explanation of who the Holy Spirit is. No? Uh, so, as a, as a follow-up to that 
the topic today, I'd like to talk about what I consider to be one of the most challenging catechetical topics. And I'd like to explain to you the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So, if you've ever been involved in catechesis, uh, I've, nev- I've never heard a catechist explain the gifts of the Holy Spirit in great depth. I've never heard it yet. Uh, and it's probably a topic that most catechists cannot explain because they don't understand it. So I'll try to do the best I can to introduce you to it. And then, um, then pray for the grace to be open to these gifts. Because it's one thing to understand them intellectually, but then another is to be open to these gifts. I'm always trying to promote um, good literature because that's my, my background uh, in English literature, but also part of our charism is to try to s- spread good books or websites today. I think that the best treatise I've ever read on the gifts of the Holy Spirit would be Thomas Aquinas. He would be the best, the angelic doctor. He's, he's the greatest. Uh, the Summa Theologica, you're going to get numbers where he explains the gifts. And, um, and Thomas Aquinas, if you, if you read literature, Aquinas is very different than Augustine. Okay, Augustine would be Faulkner and Aquinas is Hemingway. Aquinas is very concise and to the point, whereas Augustine is very poetic. Uh, Aquinas is Aquinas is more, more or less a, a synthesizer, whereas Augustine is very original. So Aquinas takes what came before him and he's able to synthesize it, whereas Augustine just meant... <laughs> Talk about being open to the Holy Spirit. So, you read the, the Summa Theologica, just you know, Google in, just Google in, Gifts of the Holy Spirit, Aquinas, and you'll get a series of numbers and paragraphs on the gifts. But then, uh, you, might, uh, you, might try to, you might try to get this book from Tan Publishers, Spiritual Life by... Uh, Adolf Tankery. Okay. Adolf Tankery. This was the basic text of seminarians in Europe a hundred years ago. When they didn't have this liberalism, okay? You didn't have this cotton candy theology that's out there today. No, this Mickey Mouse, Winnie the Pooh. Uh, theology that's out there today. Solid orthodox teaching. Uh, I always say, if, if, you're, if you're serious about growing in holiness, I think all of you should have that text. And I'll just explain that to you, then we'll get into the gifts. St. John the Cross, the mystical doctor, divides the spiritual life into three stages. So anyone trained in basic ascetical and mystical theology should know this. No? And it's called, okay, you've got the ascetical life and you have the mystical life. 
So you have three stages called the purgative way, then you have the illuminative way, then you have the unitive way. And we've got lay spiritual directors, you should be aware of that. If not, you know, work on it. Because those are those are the three basic stages that those who take their spiritual life seriously, they go through that. The purgative way, the the illuminative way, and the unitive way. Now Ignatius would have that the purgative way is week one. The unitive way illuminative way would be week two. And the unitive way is week three and four. If you want to make a parallel between John of the Cross and St. Ignatius. That would be a good that would be a, a thesis I'd like to write on. I don't think there's anyone who's ever written on that. No? Parallel between John of the Cross in those three stages and Ignatius in the four weeks. So, in that book of Tanqueray, you're going to be seeing different stages of where you are at in your prayer life. So if you don't have a good spiritual director, that, that book can serve as a very good text. So in that, in that, the, uh, the author Tanqueray, he goes through all of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, seven gifts. And he's going to be using basically, uh, basically Thomas Aquinas and St. John of the Cross. See, you can't, can't get better than that. <laughs> Tell me how you can go beyond Thomas Aquinas and John of the Cross. I mean, you know, you're talking about World Series at the best, huh? I mean, this is, uh, they're, the, they're the best writers you have out there and the greatest saints. So that's, uh, those would be um, uh, readings for all of you. Because I'm just going to give you a, somewhat of a thumbnail uh, summary explanation of these gifts. So, I'll start off with the, the analogy the analogy I'm going to give you, uh, don't look down on the analogy. You might feel that this it's archaic, it's obsolete, because it was probably composed 1,500 years ago. But it's still very applicable, the analogy. All right. Try to imagine you have a, a lake, and the lake is five miles length. Five miles length. And you got to cross it. So, Grace has an idea. She'll swim across. Robert says, uh-uh. So, you know, you're, you're preparing for the English Channel, but you're probably not ready yet, okay? Uh, let's get in a canoe. Okay, so Robert decides to take his daughter in the canoe. They're both rowing. 
But Bev thinks, no, let's let's get in a rowboat, the two of you, and I'll get a strong man. Like Eric Files to get in and he'll be able to row. <laughs> He's a water guy. But then Alicia, Rita, Mimi, and Fran, they put their foreheads together and they decide that they would like to use a sailboat. A sailboat. Now, if any of you have ever done any sailing, I've done many, many sports, but I've never done sailing, but we're, we're, um my mom has a home in New Hampshire overlooking Lake Sunapee. It's on the lake. When I go on vacation, you got these, the sailors. Some of them never get off the dock. Never get off the dock. Others, they get off the dock, but they never get out of the water. And the third is they're traveling at a, nail's pace, at a snail's pace. Then others, they're moving, but at a slow pace. But the experts, zoom! I've seen it. So there's those who don't have the foggiest idea how to sail. They never get off the dock. Then you got the experts who are moving really fast. Now who's going to get across the lake quicker? Gray swimming? Or dad in the canoe with Grace? Or Bev with the rowboat? Or Alicia and company with Fran and Rita and Fran in the sailboat, but with seven sails lifted on high. Hello? Got the analogy? I mean, you might say it's somewhat outdated because we've got motorboats today and helicopters, but uh, still, if you know any of water sports, it all depends on, you know, where's the wind coming from. So let me spell out the analogy for you. The lake is our life with the problems. The lakes can be, and I've done water skiing and swimming, and I've never done any sailing, but I've done a lot of water sports. No, I'm not as expert as Eric is, but I, I know water sports pretty well. The lake can be very tranquil. Other times you go in there, you're probably going to drown. And that's life. you got calm days, but then you got days that are pretty rocky, very tempestuous. Okay, the, the ship, the ship is your soul. It's your soul. Your soul. The captain is your will. The seat of decision making, okay? The seat is your, you're the captain of your, your own life as the poet points out, no? You're the captain of your own life. You decide when to turn and when to stop. When to go and when to... You determine.
The other sailors are the angels and the saints. They're on your side. They're on your side, the angels and the saints. Okay, then the sails, this is the, the, the essence of the analogy. The, the seven sails are the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. Seven sails are the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. But the key to understanding this is the wind... The wind is the Holy Spirit himself. So it's up to us to know where that wind is coming from. Know where that wind is coming from. Then we have to lift up those sails and allow the breath of God, which is the Holy Spirit, to enter forcefully into those sails and that will propel us propel us to the shore and that shore is heaven got it? it's a really beautiful analogy I've used it for many years sure, okay it was probably it was, it was maybe written you know 1500 years ago but very applicable so for us to make it to the shore, which is heaven, we have to practice heroic virtue. However, the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are the most efficacious means we have at our disposal to move at a rapid pace. Okay. The theological virtues, you probably learned those in catechism, which would be faith, hope, and charity. Faith, hope, and charity, they accrue to our soul when we're baptized. Now, even some of the best catechists have said this, I've heard this, even a priest said this once, the gifts of the Holy Spirit come when we're confirmed, that's wrong. The gifts of the Holy Spirit come when we're baptized. Uh, most catechists will say, when you're confirmed you have the gifts of the Holy Spirit, that's theologically erroneous. And when we're teaching, we have to be very clear that both by Dom Shautar, the soul of the apostolate points out, if we don't know our catechesis well, we could be doing much more damage than good. And a sign of the Holy Spirit is clarity and transparency. A sign of the bad spirit is ambiguity and murkiness. I have many faults, but no, no one has ever said that Father Broom is ambiguous. I've never heard that yet. Which I, I put that feather in my hat, no? Clarity, transparency. So these gifts, these gifts have to be operative. 
I would say in most Catholic these gifts are are, are dormant. Means they're asleep. Most Catholic they're dormant. They're asleep. They're asleep. And someone has to wake them up. And that's what the spiritual exercise does. It wakes up these gifts. The exercises that I've been promoting for 17 years. You know, it wakes up these dormant gifts. And Thomas Aquinas points this out. That the theological gifts, they work, but they're much slower than the gifts. And you will have, there are some temptations that come at us with such impetuosity that the, the, that the theological virtues are not good enough. Because of with alacrity, alacrity which means quickness. I like that word, alacrity, with quickness. The gifts work. If the cells are up, if the cells have to be up, The seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. So it's the it's it's really the the, the quick path to holiness is the Holy Spirit working in our lives. In two weeks from today's Pentecost, by the way, the quick highway to holiness is the Holy Spirit. But we have to collaborate with the Holy Spirit. As I said last week, the Holy Spirit es un caballero. Es un caballero. En español for he's a gentleman. If he inspires you and you say no, he backs off. And then he, he comes back with an inspiration and you say no and he backs off. And when he sees that you're open, he comes. Then he comes again. Then he comes again. Then you arrive at what is called the mystical state where you're totally open to the working of the Holy Spirit. As the charismatics would say, you're, you're living in the Spirit. Okay? You're living in the Spirit. You're being moved by the Holy Spirit. You're being guided by the Holy Spirit. That's why most of you, okay, most of you have, most of you have the prayer card that I wrote on the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. Do you? What do you think? Well written? Okay. So you've got, in essence, as a result of this talk, you should maybe get in the habit of reading that prayer of the Holy Spirit, I, I really believe I was inspired when I wrote that probably 15 years ago. And it's somewhat long, but it's not only a prayer, but it's a catechetical prayer. Because each of the gifts I explain in about 25 words. So the author of that gives you permission to pray that prayer. Okay? Actually, Rita has it memorized. I wrote it, but I don't have it memorized yet. Okay. <laughs> so let's uh, let let's go through the let's go through the gifts. 
and see where we had see where we had where we end because it's such an extensive topic. And uh, Mary, will, you, will we have a hard copy for them or no? Yes. Okay, because I actually wrote an article on on this and. Um, if any of your professional writers, uh, writing is probably the most difficult thing to do if you want to do it well. Okay, if you want to do it well. So I was on vacation for a week and I had a little bit more time, so I had the whole morning free, so I was able to write a, about a nine-page, a nine-page blog article on the seven gifts. No, so um, it came out pretty well, and he's able to explain each one of those gifts and. Um, how they're operative in our lives. So you get a hard copy at the door, and don't turn it into an airplane or anything, but read it. Okay? <laughs> Use it for your, your bird cage. No, yeah, read it. No. More than once, when I ask someone, okay, can you? Can you name the gifts of the Holy Spirit? Of course, Father. Joy, peace, chastity, longanimity, fortitude. No. That's usually what I hear. No, those are the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Those are the fruits. They're not the gifts, they're the fruits. Now, Aquinas says... You experience the, the fruits, and he says there's an interior sweetness in your soul. That's what the fruits are, an interior sweetness within your soul. You experience the, the fruits when you're living out the gifts. So they're, they're related. So if the gifts are operative, then you experience this interior sweetness within your soul. Peace and joy and chastity and patience, those beautiful fruits. So the tree would be the gifts, and the, would be the gifts, then the fruits would be the result of corresponding to the gifts. Got it? So uh, the way I've written out this work is the 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 gifts. The gifts always bear. Gifts means that God gives them to us freely, gratis. No? But what the gifts do is they, they work on perfecting us. They work on perfecting us and perfecting the two basic faculties of the human person. They work on perfecting the two basic faculties of the human person, which would be our intellect and our will. Verignation, once again. One of the methods I've taught you over the years is the three powers of the soul, which is, okay, which would be your intellect, your understanding, and your will, the three powers of the will. So they're going to be perfecting your intellect and your will. According to Aristotle and Thomas Aquinas, in your intellect there's three faculties. And they would be 
memory, understanding, and imagination. As part of your as part of your intellectual apparatus. You have a memory. You have a memory. You have understanding and you have imagination. That's part of the that's part of the, the apparatus upstairs, but the three the three are different. Memory is you call to mind something of the past, right? Definition. Memory. You call to mind something that happened in the past. What is understanding is that you penetrate the truth. A penetration of the truth. And the imagination is a creative faculty that we, we can, Ignatian contemplation, you utilize your imagination. You imagine you're there sitting at the feet of Jesus like Mary and Martha. So the gifts of the Holy Spirit, they perfect your whole intellectual apparatus. I don't know about you, but I pray almost on a daily basis, Lord, give me a penetrating intellect. I beg for that grace. A keen mind. I pray for that. Even I'm getting older. Give me a keen mind. Most people my age, they start to get, they start to lose their memory. I think my memory is getting better, actually. I'm begging for the grace. But my secret is this, Lord. Saint Paul says, "Put on the mind of Christ. You got the mind of Christ. The secret is the Eucharist, because you receive the body, blood. You receive the mind of Christ." You've never thought, I've written a a blog article on that. I've written hundreds of articles. Put on the mind of Christ. You have the mind of Christ. You receive total communion. You got the mind of Christ. And I'm not speaking metaphorically. Because you receive the body, blood, soul, and divinity, right? In the body, what are the two two most noble organs in the body? It's the mind and the heart. You have the mind of Christ. Now try it. Lord, Lord, give me your mind. Our Lord, had the, the, our Lord had the most pure and the most noble and the most penetrating intellect in the world. And Mary formed the mind of Christ within her womb. Nine months, right? So, half of the gifts, half of the gifts perfect the intellect. The other half perfect the will. But there's one that is a bridge between the intellect and the will. It connects. So it's a bridge. And that, 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 that bridge is important. You're going to cross the waterway if you, if you jump off the bridge. And you've got to cross the bridge. Okay, here are, the, here are the gifts that perfect... Okay, I'll go through the seven gifts and then let's, let's go through 
the perfecting of the intellect and perfecting of the will. You're taking notes so you have a photographic memory, okay? <laughs> photographic memory, but hasn't been developed yet, right? Wisdom, knowledge, understanding, counsel, fortitude, piety, fear of the Lord. Okay? Wisdom, knowledge, understanding, counsel, Fortitude, piety, fear of the Lord. That's right, the gifts. See, now you got to memorize, right? Más o menos, huh? It's worth memorizing. All right. Wisdom, knowledge, understanding, perfect your intellect. Counsel is the bridge between the intellect and the will. Aquinas calls it right reason in action. I like that. Right reason in action. You want to, you want to have right reason, but you want to put it into practice, right, Robert? Yeah. Right reason in action. So it's not simply pie in the sky intellect, but it connects your your mind with with, 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 with with acting out to putting into practice the other virtues. And then fortitude, piety, and fear the Lord perfect your will. Someone the other day said, well, Father, do any of you know the moral virtues? Yeah, no, 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 no. Okay, the moral virtues are are justice, temperance, prudence, and fortitude. Surprised you never heard those. Those. Sure, Magdalene they probably taught you those moral virtues, right? We spent a whole semester on each one of them, no? So justice would be the first, and then you've got temperance, and you've got prudence, and then you got fortitude. So. To complicate your life a little bit more, there's the moral virtue of fortitude, then there's a gift of, gift of fortitude. So guess what the gift does? It perfects the moral virtue of fortitude. <laughs> then what about piety? You know that there's a virtue of piety, then there's a gift. What is the virtue of piety? It's the reverential attitude before the sacred. That would be the virtue. The reverential attitude before the sacred. That would be the virtue of piety. But the gift is different. So I'm giving a a, a minor course in mystical ascetical theology this evening. Say thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. You're welcome. (laughs) I once said that in a, in a deanery meeting in Argentina, and the, the priests are kind of blown away. Well, I didn't know that. I didn't know. Well, that's what. My fourth year was mystical, ascetical theology in Rome. No? <laughs> oh. 
So that being the case, with your permission, with your permission, I like to I like to at least explain one of them today. Okay? Can I? All right. The greatest of all, the greatest of all, the gifts of the Holy Spirit is the gift of wisdom. That's the greatest is wisdom. The first in operation is fear of the Lord, David. But fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Sirach, huh? Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I love short, pithy, Thomistic definitions, don't you? So I'll give you a a Thomistic definition that you you can all memorize. Given that we have... uh, at least 50% of you are bilingual. I, I, I love the way it's said in Spanish. I'll say it in Spanish and in English. Wisdom is sabiduría. It's saboriar las cosas de Dios. Very poetic if you know your Spanish well. Saboriar. You know Spanish well, some of you? Saboriar. Saboriar. Saboriar las cosas divinas. Well, I'll, 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 I'll translate it in English now, okay? <laughs> I like it better in Spanish. I know the language is pretty well. I like it better in Spanish. But in English is good too. English is, is to relish the things of God. Because if you translate sabodiar, to, to, to savor or to relish would be the English translation. To savor would probably be the best. Savor, I don't like it, but relish, you think about your, your, your hamburger, your hot dog. <laughs> <laughs> I, I prefer savor. You, you, I, you were thinking about your, your hamburger, your hot dog, mustard. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm a mind reader, huh? I knew you were thinking about that. The gluttonous tendency in our intellect, right? <laughs> To savor the things of God. Okay, so, as is a common literary tool that I will utilize with your permission, I'll give you what is diametrically opposed to that. So I'll give you the opposite. If you notice in literature, in the parables, often you have, a, you have contrasts. Like the rich man and Lazarus, you no. Know, in literature, that's one of the key literary tools is that of a, of, a, of a contrast. So once I give you the opposite, that will help to clarify what it is. And the best I have found is the short parable in St. Luke. And it's the parable of the rich fool. Any of you remember that? It, it, the parable it'd be el tonto rico in Spanish, the parable of the rich fool, and it's this. So as I explain it, see this is the exact opposite of of the gift of wisdom. There was a farmer that had a 
a very rich harvest. Very rich harvest. Try to imagine it. Wheat and corn, grain. And he looked at his silo or his barn. It's too small. What am I going to do? So he he did some brainstorming. I like that. Brainstorming. There's a storm in your brain, huh? (laughs) Better that than relish, right? Okay. (laughs) And he arrived at the practical conclusion that the best thing to do would be to to tear down or to demolish the um, granary or the silo and build very spacious so that there'd be more room. And that's what he did. So after that, he cuts down the grain and he starts to amass and store the grain in these huge granaries. Then after he's done that, he, he talks to himself. A soliloquy. He's talking to himself, okay? Uh, he says, Alma mia, how do you say it in English? My soul. My soul. You have a long life ahead of you. A long life ahead of you. Eat, drink, and be merry. Live it up. It's Miller time. Okay. <laughs> Literary license? Okay. That's not actually, and I've added that, okay? But in parentheses, Father Broom, okay? American society. It's Miller time. You have a long life ahead of you. Then Jesus intervenes, and it's interesting, he uses a word that he forbids us to say. When I was brought up and raised, my mom and dad, you never say that word. And that word is a fool. And my mom and dad say, never say that word. Never call someone a fool. But Jesus said, this man is a first class fool. He's a fool. It's a strong word. Because that very night... You're going you're gonna to die. Where's it going to go? Where's it going to go? You're going to go to Uncle Sin for Planned Parenthood and all that, right? <laughs> right, Uncle Sam? All that money you stored, it's going to go to <laughs> carrying out dastardly deeds, just to put it mildly, huh? So... That is the person that Jesus presents as a fool. Okay, I like to I, I like to backpedal. Okay, what what precedes? Any of you know what precedes Jesus speaking this parable? Know your Bible well? I find it fascinating. And I see this played out in so many people today. A man comes up to Jesus and says, Lord, divide my inheritance. Now you remember that? 
Lord, divide my inheritance. Tell my brother to give my, my part of the inheritance. Then Jesus, from that, he moves into that parable. You know what I, you know what I see often? Okay, your, your mom and dad are from Mexico, and they've got una hacienda, okay, maybe worth a quarter of a million bucks. Or maybe in Cebu, okay, or Manila, quarter million bucks. Let's say a half a million, okay. And your parents have left that to, to the children. Right away, I know all hell is going to break loose. <laughs> I, I hear it, and I and I, I fall into desolation when I hear it. I said, "Oh no." It's almost inevitable that the devil is going to get in there and wreak havoc. Now, I'll tell you what's going to happen. Okay, there's, there's one, maybe the older brother says, well, I w- I've been living with mom and dad, watching over them. It should come to me. Then the second one says, well... Mom and Dad wanted us to divide it equally. A third is going to say, "No, give it to the younger sister because she's got five kids, and her husband's—he's got a disability." And the fourth one is going to say, "Well, you know, it's a half a million. Give each one a hundred thousand dollars." And the fifth one is going to say, probably someone like you, "Okay, I don't even want to get involved with this." Probably people like you. I don't want to get involved with this because I know what's going to happen. It's going to be a rat race. So you, you know what I, you know I, my advice then? Can I tell you? Can I? Okay. Get a lawyer. Get a lawyer right away. And divide it into five different equal parts. And also, by the way, it's no longer going to be half a million. It's going to be a quarter million because you're going to give the other quarter million to the lawyers. This is common. And the people come to, the, they come to me and the other priests to resolve the problem. We have a vow of poverty, no? And what happens is, you see, the capital sin of greed. And you know what's going to happen? They're, they're all going to get a minimum part of it. They're not going to be talking to each other. They're going to be hating each other. And some of them are going to go to hell because of that. You just see the working of the devil in that. Right? Talk about seeing the work of the devil. You see it right there. So I would say you, you as parents, that you've got children and you're going to leave an inheritance, think about that even now. I would sit down with your kids and say, look, I love all of you. There are five of you. I love all of you. I'm going to give each one of you 
And you know, if they would fight, you know what I do? I say, okay, I'm not going to give a penny. I'm going to give it to Mother Teresa and her poor. Really? Really? If you're going to be fighting over this, I'm going to take every penny. I'll either give the Mother Teresa or St. Peter Chanel. Okay? <laughs> or the spiritual exercise program of Father Broom, no? For the copies that we don't have enough money to pay for, okay? Give it to the poor. That might be the best thing to do. So all the brother will get angry at mom and dad, but there's, there's no animosity among you himself because you're the culprit there. I mean, it's a, I see it a country mile away and, I, and um, it, it, it puts me into desolation because I see the, the ugliness of sin and I see, I see the, the devil present there. The, the devil is manipulating. He's pitting one person against the other. And the devil divides. The Holy Spirit unites. So um, that precedes that parable that I just told you. That precedes. That, that comes, and then Jesus enter, enters in with that parable. Which this man thought that he's going to have an abundant harvest. He'll be able to live many years and live it up. That very night, he's going to die. Where's he going to go? Hell. Well, hell, yeah. <laughs> and as you get older, you're going to notice the less you're attached to material things, the more free you are. Mm-hmm. You hear me? Yes. I have an advantage of you because I have a vow of poverty. I have a vow of poverty. So that means, you know, if you give me a donation for a wedding or something, I give that to Father Larry and he gives it to the poor. So I, I really like when people give me money. You know what? I'm not going to Las Vegas or even this casino. No. <laughs> I can only imagine what Las Vegas is like. But I, I, I like it because I, I, I love to help out the poor. Because I know... It, that me and Father Larry worked many years together. We've helped out, we've helped out many, many, many poor people. Hawaiian Gardens. Years ago, Hawaiian Gardens was a poor city. Now it's maybe a lower middle class. Okay. When I arrived, it was poor. Filled with gang members. No. When I when I arrived, me and Father Larry were scraping off the gang members uh, the, to, to come to our confirmation class. Big tattoos, the bald heads, you know, sunglasses, the, you know, how they're dressed. You, you probably, you probably met them. And we got them. We, we tricked them. Father Larry, <laughs> Father Larry would take them to McDonald's. Yeah. Know what I do? There used to be a field out here. I grab onto a bat and I hit the ball into the sky and they say, "That's a priest." <laughs> There's only one guy that could throw the ball harder and farther than me. This one guy. He probably could have been a professional. Even without winding up, the guy had a cannon in the arm. I was jealous of him. <laughs> <laughs> but I won him over by, by sports, and Fall Lair won him over by, you know, taking, giving him a freebie at McDonald's, no? So. The opposite of wisdom 
is folly. Folly. There's the word. Folly, which means being foolish. A couple of biblical verses that illustrate a couple of biblical verses that illustrate the gift of wisdom. Are you listening? Taste and see the goodness of of the Lord. Taste and see the goodness of the Lord. That's wisdom. Taste and see the goodness of the Lord. Another? Psalm 42, verse 1. Psalm 42, verse 1. You know what that is? No, Father, we're not Protestants. <laughs> you rattle it off. The Protestants have it. The Catholics are scratching their heads. You know? yeah. It's as the deer yearns for the running streams, so my soul yearns for you, O Lord, my God. As the deer yearns for the running streams, so my soul yearns for you, O Lord, my God. Another? Another would be this. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything else will be given you beside. That's wisdom. Seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, everything else will be given you beside. Another of the verse that converted Saint Ignatius Loyola, that converted Saint Francis Xavier, which was, "What would it profit a man if he gained the whole world and lose his soul?" Mm-hmm. And if I can quote the classic Augustine, the verse that is quoted most by Saint Augustine in the Confessions, "O Lord, you have made our hearts for Thee." Our hearts are restless until they rest in thee. Beautiful, huh? The Lord, you made our hearts for thee. Our hearts are restless until they rest in thee. Oh, late have I loved you, O ancient beauty, O ancient new. The confessions, we read that in the feast day of St. Augustine. So, that being the case, what are signs? What are manifestations that the gift of wisdom is operative in you? And it's not dormant. It's operating within you. Okay, being, being very general is this. Anything that fosters growth in your spiritual life and growth in the love of God. If if you are enthusiastic about that, you're enthusiastic about that, the gift of the Holy Spirit is working in you. You hear me? Anything, anything in the spiritual life 
that is helping you to get to know God and to love Him more, if that makes you enthusiastic, that's, that's a sign that the gift of wisdom is operative in you. So the gift might be late, and now is the time to marshal it forth. Okay, to marshal it forth, to elicit it. Okay, and and pray for our young people, the teenagers. No, I, I love working with them, but most of them they're deadbeats. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, no. Most are. I've been teaching confirmation for many, many years. They're deadbeats, no? Sure, they haven't received the... Well, no, they have the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They're dormant. We do all that we possibly can to foster union with Christ, no? However, teenagers that are 14, 15, 12, if they want those gifts of the Holy Spirit to be operative, the Holy Spirit is just waiting. And you've got some examples, Dominic Savio, and you've got Maria Goretti, okay? And you've got um, Blessed Alberto Coutius, who was, what, 16 when he died? That, that Italian boy that was the expert on computer... So you know it can happen, and that's why when we see when we see sometimes you've got young men and women that are in these groups. I mean that's that's huge. Some of the moms they bring their daughters to 15 or maybe 16. That's good. But there's no there's there's no reason why children and teenagers cannot become saints, right? There's no reason. But with teenagers, the Holy Spirit is caballero. I mean, he waits for you. If you don't want to open up your heart to him, he'll pull back. And once you open up that door, he comes in. And he comes in as forcefully as you allow him to. If you just can open up the cracks so he can get in a little bit, he'll do it. But if you open up those doors, the Holy Spirit can just inundate you. Even though you might be 16. Really. There's no monopoly in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit goes where he's welcomed. He goes where he's welcome. If he's not welcome, he goes he goes to another door and he knocks. I know about you, I love the Holy Spirit. You get to know the Holy Spirit, you fall in love with him. And Saint Basil says he's like water. He's the, okay, imagine water in a garden. You got a plant you got a leaf there. How the water adapts itself to the vegetation. You ever notice that? Okay, you got dirt here. You got, you got a plant. You got a flower here. The water adapts itself according to the texture of the plant. That's the analogy that St. Basil gives. I love it. If you do the Liturgy of the Hours, you're going to be reading that in the next couple of weeks. Adapting. It's malleable is the word, no? Adaptable. But he doesn't force himself. He waits for us. And then once we open up those sails, right? He opens up those sails, zoom. Zoom.
So another manifestation would be of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Operative would be that you have this hunger and thirst in your life to pray. Okay? Hunger and thirst to pray. On a personal note, I just want to tell you this. On a personal and um, try to cultivate an attitude of gratitude. I think possibly one of the greatest gifts that I have received in my whole life is that I, I always liked to pray, even when I was a child. And I see that's, that's huge. Ever since... I would, when I was 14, I'd be cutting the lawn in New Jersey and I could pray the rosary at the same time. In New Yorkers say, can you walk and chew gum at the same time? I mean, <laughs> I've always been pretty well coordinated, huh? Why not? Why not? I mean, it takes a little bit of coordination. I'm not going to run the lawn over my toe or anything. <laughs> I remember once in New Jersey. <laughs> in, in, you know the uh, uh, pellet gun in there's a BB gun? I was, I was cutting the grass and my next boy neighbor, he shot the pellet gun at my backside. And I was jumping up and down. I thought a rock shot out of the lawnmower, but he shot and hit me right in the... <laughs> Today he'd be thrown in jail. That was good for my humility, no? <laughs> but having, having a, a real desire to pray, huge gift from God, no? I've never met a teenager or a, a child who said, Father, I love to pray. I've not, I haven't heard that in 36 years, no? <laughs> About three months ago, though, I was talking to someone on the phone. I said, ever since I was a child, I love to pray. And the person on the phone said, you know, ever since I was a child, I love to pray too. It happened to be my mother. Yeah. I always liked to pray as a child. Daily Mass, back then in Michigan, and 80 years ago, I always liked to pray. And it's not surprising that I like to pray because of the powerful example of a, a prayer warrior. So, having a real hunger and thirst for the spiritual, for spiritual growth, to really love God more and more, to pray, those are very clear signs that the gift of wisdom is operative in us. So let's turn to Mary. Mary is known as a lady good counsel, but also seed of wisdom, right? Yeah. One of her titles, Mary, seed of wisdom. That we would allow the gifts of the Holy Spirit to be operative in us. Amen? Amen. Was this helpful, this talk? Very, very. Thank you. Thank you.
So I really believe I, I've given you a good foundation of the gifts and I've explained one of them. You'll get the handout and probably next week I'll, I'll start to get into the others. But these gifts are so important for our sanctification. Okay? The Lord be with you. And with Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Bless all of you. Thank you, Father. Oh wow! I think I was here to hear you say that.